Pro Gang, this week's guest needs zero introduction, but if you think we're not going to gas up the man, the myth, the legend behind one of the best stores in the world, then just like all cops everywhere, you need to get the fuck out of here. Chris Gibbs is not only the owner and operator of Union Los Angeles, but he's been a crucial voice and leader within the streetwear community for many years now. We are lucky enough to call him a homie and want to use our platform to share his wisdom. Not to mention, of course, mm-hmm. we want to make sure we're on the seating list for the next Union Jordans. Yeah, most importantly, let's be yeah. clear. Let's put all the cards <laughs> on the table. Okay. Chris, welcome to <laughs> yes. the pod. What's up, dude? What's going on? Chill, your first see you time guys on. again. Yeah. How's everything on the West Coast? How have you been? Uh, everything is crazy. Bananas. But... Um, and weird and dark, but somehow maybe pivoting in a good way. Yeah. Okay. What's that old adage? Like the, uh, the, what the Chinese symbol for recession is opportunity or something like that. Oh, interesting. Like that it's, it means opportunity. Something I like think that. there's, there's probably like a, a white dude from Long Beach that has that tattoo yeah. on him somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, Chris, uh, yeah. you know, Let's get right into it. So you've already spoken to our friends at High Snob and GQ about what's going on in the world right now. Um, yep. And a point that you've, you've stressed thus far is that people really can't become distracted from the main issue. The main issue being that cops have been killing black people. Cops are, killing, cops are currently killing black people and cops will continue to kill black people if things don't fundamentally change. So, you know, it, it's easy to be distracted. I think everyone on here is guilty of this in the past 10 days or, you know, even in our lifetime. So our question is, how do you personally block out the noise right now and, and stay focused? Um, I'm, uh, for me, it's actually been easier. Uh, not that it's ever, like, you got to, like, it's been easier because of the energy that's out there and everyone else that's protesting and, uh, raising their voices and raising their wallets and, you know, just getting involved. And that energy fuels me um, to want to keep it going. So, you know, one of the reasons why today is you ask me, well, how am I doing? I'm like, well, my spirits are kind of higher right now. It's because I feel like I maybe for the first time in my life, I can see I don't want to call it the light at the end of the tunnel, but maybe there's a spark of the potential for a possibility of a light at the end of the tunnel, if that makes sense. Um, so my spirits are a little high because I feel like people are like people are finally opening their eyes, ears, and hearts to something that's been happening in this country. And not just this country, but we're in this country, so in this country, you know, for a really long time, my whole life. Um, and obviously as a, a black male, um, a black person, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's something that's very important to me. I mean, um, it, I, I always struggle. Like it seems like racism is something that is like very important to me. Right. And maybe that's maybe that's because I'm black. So obviously that's very personal. But it also seems to be out of all like out of the travesties that happen, like judging someone by the color of their skin is just so stupid. <laughs> um, so it seems to be like Mars. If it's not the worst, right. it's really high up there. So it's something that always bugs me. I can't get past it. And yes, I am black. So maybe that's why it bothers me. But um 
you know, it just, it's always something I'm like, yeah, but the guy's a racist. Like, I don't care about his policy. I can't get past. He's like a blatant racist. And obviously the history of this country is what it is. Um, So, yeah, all that to say, I guess I'm rambling a little bit and I'll probably be rambling a lot because in all honesty, I'm still just digesting and trying to check how I'm feeling about and unpack all of this because it's complicated. Um, But yeah, the way I'm being able to keep the focus on what's really important and what's at the heart of the matters is the fact that I, you know, there's protests every day. There's people saying all the right things, things that haven't been said by these people before. There's people bringing out their, their pocketbooks and, you know, supporting organizations that have been doing this fight for a long time. So um, I think on the one hand, the fact that there seems to be more attention to this than ever before. On the other hand, and I'll admit, you know, in the intro, you were like, hey, something to the effect of like, you know, well, we all kind of lose sight here and there of it. And I'm just as guilty as everyone else of like, you know, you know, maybe the past incident, I would wake up and I would donate and I would march and I would make a t-shirt and sell it and donate the proceeds. And then three weeks later, maybe I'm not as on it as I was, you know? So I'm equally guilty of that. Um, And I don't, and one of the things I decided on this one is like, I want it to be different. Um, I want to have a staid compassion and not forget about this in three weeks because to a certain degree, maybe I'm in a place of privilege where, you know, um, and I need to recognize that. Chris, you talked about like that potential light at the end of the tunnel that you're talking about or the spark. And you're talking about everyone who's stepping up in different ways, donating, marching, um, organizing, whatever. Uh, Obviously, I think community is a huge component of how this long-term change that you're talking about um, is going to sustain and come to fruition. I feel like Union LA has always been about community and like focus on the community that you built around the shop. Um, How are you kind of expanding and furthering that community right now in LA since clearly like you have some experience doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think to, to a certain degree, and I, I want to be humble as I say it, but it's worth mentioning. We've always made sure that, uh, we're kind of a woke store for lack of a better term. We've always made sure that, you know, we're contributing to the causes or speaking out on the causes we believe in. So I do feel like although we could be could have been doing more, um, you know, uh, we've at least been present to a degree. Um, as far as uh, kind of pivoting forward or staying in, in that moment, I think, to be honest, we had already started having – Com- the conversations around community in particular um, through the lens of how COVID was affecting kind of, you know, uh, the, the poor communities or, you know, the black community. Um, so we had already been funny enough, as you guys mentioned, the Jordan, the next Jordan release, we had already been planning a, a community, a very pointed and specific community involvement um, through the release of that shoe. Um, so I had started to reach out to people who I think are, you know, community leaders, um, Chase Johnson, um, some people know him as Chase Infinite, who has Haroon Coffee here in yeah. Leonard Park, is yeah. someone who 
um, has always been it, admittedly and humbly more involved in the community than I have. He was so Rocky's out, manager, right? Uh, yes. So I reached out to him. Um, I reached out to a couple other friends in the community. I reached out to a friend of mine named Marvin Bing, who's active in, um, in this world. I reached out to Jesse Williams. Um, amongst many others, I sent like a, an email to quite a few people saying, Hey, we're about to release these shoes at the end of the year. And we want to make sure we're thinking about how we can help with the community in that. And so that was a conversation that we had started maybe two months ago. Um, with the new news, uh, I think we're going to share that a little bit with or make it a bigger thing than just it was kind of originally very specifically through the lens of COVID. Yeah. Um, but you were learning that language, right? Like you were already kind of. I had started that conversation that, yeah. mm-hmm. that, you know, for this year, for 2020, mm-hmm. about two months ago mm-hmm. um, because of COVID, but it's specifically how COVID is affecting the black community. Um, so we already have half of a plan in place, <laughs> you know. The so skeleton, uh, the bones. Exactly, exactly. It sounds like a, a certain podcast I know. <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> when uh, when you, know, half, you mean half a plan? Yes, yeah. exactly. Oh, okay. Half a plan. Half a plan, every, baby. Every week. Uh, when, uh, when next month, when aliens come and invade Earth, you might have to expand your plan again. Yeah, and, we have uh, to plan it that much further because yeah. 2020 is... We'll somehow target black yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 2020 is not looking up. Don't let the aliens get in touch with the All Lives Matter crew. Then it's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, you know, that's... Um, you know, that's... It's something that's always on my mind for sure, but obviously you know, we're reaching out to, to our crew, you know, and then, you know, this past week, last week, Friday, um, the, the union team all took the day off and joined like a community cleanup of South Central. Um, that was like really inspiring to me. I didn't organize it. I wasn't aware of it. In fact, it's one of my staff that said, that told me about it and we went and did it. And I found that really inspiring. Um, you know, just that we could like, I think a thousand people showed up and it was wow. like, you know, I don't want to say it's just some girl, but it was like some, just like any of you or me that sent out a text to our, right. to our group. And then it just grew, which was, uh, I was really humbled and honored to be a part of that. But it was also, I really appreciated my staff coming out and I was like, Hey, we need to be doing this all the time. And we can't, What what's really awakened within me for maybe the first time is like, Hey, it can't just be every, like on this day, something goes wrong and we start talking about it for the week. And then we forget about it and go back to our normal lives. This has to be an everyday thing. This has to be just part of our lives the same way environmentalism has to be too, you know? Um, So I told my staff at the end, we had a big meeting and I was like, look, I'm really inspired by this. And like, yes, Today, it was about South Central. South Central is important to me. I'm a black man, right? Not all my staff is black. So I was like, I want us to continue doing this on a biweekly or at least monthly basis. And I'm saying to you, what's your cause? We'll all get behind it. This should just be a part of our everyday. And what, for whatever reason, the George Floyd has awakened in me and maybe it's awakened it in everybody is it can't just be this one day, this one week, this one month, or even this one cause. 
we have to, it's a community. I'll say how I got to that. And I don't know if everybody else is there. And I apologize if this is a bit of a ramble, but I, in my weird way, this way, this makes sense. I remember in January hearing the news about COVID in China. And I literally, I can't front. I was like, damn, sucks for them. That really sucks for them. Yo, we're, we going out to the club tonight? Like, right. you know what I mean? And then it hit us. Sure. And now it sucks for us. And it made me realize maybe something that I wasn't totally blind to, but I hadn't fully acknowledged, which is we don't live in this world where that just happens over there and we can forget about it. Those days are gone with social media, with the way just our economies and lives are all interlinked. Whatever's going on and wherever the fuck it is, it's going to affect you and you should give a fuck and you should care. You know, the, the so, denial, the denial that some people have really is poisonous, right? Like the first yeah. step is, is even coming to that acknowledgement, having that self-awareness to be like, you know what, this isn't about somebody somewhere that has nothing to do with me. So I can just have the luxury of not giving a shit. Yeah. And if we did that for all the causes, I mean, I, <laughs> in my mind, I realize what I'm about to say. I don't know how else to say it. Wouldn't the world be a better place? Right. I, mean, I know, I know. But, um, you know, if we did, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, know? absolutely. I mean, it, it's about making, it's about making caring and, and uh, proactive empathy part of, yeah. like, uh, part of the DNA. And that's something that, w- that we're talking about on this podcast and, you know, we want to ask uh, all our guests about um, when they come on. But uh, Chris, you did mention that, like, for whatever reason, whatever brought them here, a lot of people um, who maybe weren't exposed to like inequality or, or injustice are now opening their eyes, opening their ears, and kind of seeing how endemic racism is in America. Um, you know, but a lot of non-black people they they might just think that racism is just like explicit name calling and explicit discrimination. What non-black people don't necessarily always focus on are the silent barriers between black people and participating in society and in the economy. And we wanted to ask you as a, as a small business, as a black small business owner, can you speak on like these, uh, what forms of these less visible, maybe implicit racism are common, but not necessarily known by people who haven't faced them just to kind of like make people aware that, hey, like these are the actual roadblocks of a black small business owner when trying to start up their dream just do what, you know, another small business owner might take for granted to some degree, even though to be clear, and James and I say this, you know, with sincerity, like we do this full time now, we get it. We're small business owners too, but I'm sure you have a ton of perspective that even we, that we would never have. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't want to sidestep the question at all, but what I'll say is I might not be like one of the things that I think there's kind of two ways I'd like to attack that. Um, I don't know which one I should lead with, but one of them is for me to even be sitting here, like there's a certain level of privilege that I've had that I've been able to take advantage of for me to even be sitting here talking about union and what union means. So I, even I have to acknowledge and my wife reminds me every day (laughs) about my privilege, um, you know, through that lens. Um, And because of that, I might not be specifically aware of certain roadblocks, you know what I mean? Um, and then I also think that like, you know, on this is where, it, you know, it kind of really sucks. There's also, there's things we don't know. I don't know if I didn't get that loan that I needed because I'm African-American. Right. Statistics say 
I didn't, you know, like if, you know, when, when my application is sitting there next to someone who's not a person of color, who's not African-American and theirs gets accepted and that's repetitive, obviously statistics say I didn't. So and that, is, that is systemic. That is yeah, that's systemic, systemic right? So um, I think for sure there's that. I can look around. I mean, I'm very proud of my store. I'm very proud of what we've been able to do. But and today in 2020, I'm I, I, I can say I'm 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 content's not the word, but I'm happy with the progress I've been able to make with my career. That being said, there are like countless numbers of people who have came up like who came up after me and who've leapfrogged me in every way, you know, stores that have come after me, whose owners have a bigger, better platform who have been hired to consult for X, Y, Z, you know what I mean? Um, And I see that I've never been one to let that bother me, but I'm not blind to it either. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll admit, I'm not trying to sidestep. I might not have answered your question directly, but I think, look, you know, whether it's things like, uh, you know, certain brands that we've wanted in the store right. that we've reached out to the, to the companies that sell them. And it seems like they've created hurdles for me to get them that I don't think other mm. brands have had. Do you and think that, like, well, do you think Union LA, maybe because it's owned and operated by a black dude, has been unfairly categorized by like, you know, certain code words, like, you know, streetwear in, in the pejorative sense. And maybe that Urban. has turned off brands. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think although streetwear is like the hottest shit on the planet right now, it's still like a dirty word in certain circles. Yeah. And our store in particular has been a store that wanted to like offer all of the shit you know, high and low. And when you start having conversations with some of the people at at these high companies, they've never heard of us. If if they look at our brand mix, they don't, you know, they don't understand it, you know? Um, So maybe not, maybe it's not direct. Maybe it's more peripheral, like bigotry of like judging us from our brand mix and not seeing kind of that, you know, and now they all want it, right? So five years ago, there's brands that I couldn't get. Like they literally said, no, we don't want to sell to you. And then now all they do is make the product that we make. Chris, all do you at least take this, this as customers. an opportunity to tell them you wasn't there? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, what I'll say is this, in all honesty, um, at the time, I was hurt, and at the time, I really wanted that 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 product in our store. What I've learned, and I've learned it through an evolution. It wasn't, you know, if you came to me at the time, I would have been like, "Yo, I really want this brand. This some hot shit. They make some dope shit. Let's get it in the store." What do I got to do? You know, you know what I mean? Um, through failing, and actually through a little bit of success of a couple brands that we did get that ended up not really doing well for us. I've realized that I was I was trying to make us something that we're not, mm. and I'm now and and have been for quite some time more interested in like hey I'll reach out to this brand if they get it then they should be in here if they don't then they shouldn't fuck and yeah fuck off fuck y'all you know yeah. what I mean and you know more power to you if you go to like one of the myriad of like union 
copycats and but they've been able to figure out the like the the algorithm to get your brand in their store whether it's owned by a person by a white man or a white woman or what whatever the reason i don't know i'm sitting here that's why i couldn't answer your question i don't know why the fuck we aren't (laughs) the shit well you know what i mean outside of people who are like yeah you're the shit but we're also broke because we don't get the support of most other stores. Are you still driving a Toyota 450 or F-150? I still what have the Toyota. That's Ford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, bro. We're in New York. We don't have cars. Be, yeah. <laughs> I, I still have my Toyota uh, Tacoma. Yes. I Fire. Do. Ladies Fire. and gentlemen, but, this is what happens when you're a New York kid. You have brain yeah, no damage doubt, off no rip to get uh, Funny side note. When I first moved out here, I had friends that would come visit and had never been to LA and I guess just uh, made the assumption that LA worked like any other major city in the world and would call me from the airport like, yo, where's the subway? <laughs> I'd be like, there's no subway out here. You got to rent a car. Like, um, I don't know how to drive. I don't have a license. Why would I need that? I'm from New York. And this is predating Uber. Yeah. So a motherfucker would have to take like an 80, now $80 cab ride from the airport probably doesn't seem as bad. But sure. at the time it was a really crazy amount of money for a cab ride that's not that far because <laughs> LA's airport is in the city. So. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. If they're lucky, they're going to Marina Del Rey. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'll say this, I don't know. I don't want to dwell on it. It's neither here nor there. Me driving at Tacoma is also a choice. Like I could have right. a better car, but that's yeah. not where I, I don't want to spend my money there. Right. All cars ban all cars that's my stance <laughs> yeah. i'm serious um talking about like streetwear as a whole to kind of like yeah. pivot away from from just yeah. for one second yeah chris i think that you know it's without a doubt a kind of this established fact that maybe people don't talk about but is definitely understood that black culture is what not only kind of like makes up streetwear but propels it forward do you think that there are necessary steps that streetwear can take moving forward to, to, to be more responsible to the people whose culture, you know, kind of fuels what is now this like massive industry, like the multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, and I don't know if we've talked about this before. I know I've talked about it, but I don't know kind of maybe on another podcast, it's not as successful oh, as no, your no. guys. So I don't know if the streets heard it or not, Yikes! but uh, you know, a longstanding opinion I've had of streetwear and, and maybe, maybe I'm complicit in it to a certain degree. I mean, you know, is that streetwear is a rebranding of urban. Hmm. Um, and it's a rebranding that made active steps away from black people. <laughs> you know what I mean? But still a whitewashing. Uh, yeah, it was that? Uh, yeah, exactly. It was basically a gentrification of the urban <laughs> market the yeah. streetwear, right? Um, and do you they, mean like uh like I don't know like Rockware and like Fat Farm and and Fubu and Mecca and Africa, yeah that, that yeah. and, and, and to be quite is. frank, most of those brands weren't owned by black people either. Sure, right. But so you know, it's not so. There's an ownership issue that you know streetwear didn't fix, but I think it took these sensibilities, but then washed it down and made it more applicable to a wider market. Um, so I think, you know, there's definitely like a, like a dark side to streetwear as far as I'm concerned, 
taken a step further if we started naming like the top 10, 20 streetwear brands. Um, they're, they're, again, largely pivoted off of black culture. They're not black owned. Right. You know, um, so I agree. That's a problem even within streetwear. Um, as one can imagine, or maybe you can't, but in the last four or five days, I've had a number of conversations with a number of other brand owners, um, some in my wheels, certain in my, you know, circle of friends, some not, whatever, you know, and there was one brand and I, and I don't mean, I, I, I'm not going to say the brand because as it stands right now, I'm looking forward to them evolving and maybe making decisions that will change this. And I think if I highlight them now, that will never happen. Um, That's fair. Even I was like, yo, like your whole thing is on black culture. I've never even kind of asked you or, or been around. I've never been like been around other black people in your company. Hmm. And I, I'm only now like kind of realizing that. So shame on me. That's something you guys should probably look into and whether you want to look into it from your heart, because you now acknowledge that something's wrong or whether the streets are going to clap back on you like right now. Um, either way, <laughs> however you want to do it, you guys should probably do that. You know? Um, so I, I do think, and I'm, and I'm appreciating the transparency that seems to be happening in the last couple of days. Um, and I do appreciate that the streets are voicing themselves and, and voicing, voicing their power, like power, all power to the people. Hey, the people can have a say on calling these brands out, calling me out. If, if you know what I mean? Like, and hopefully the people that are getting called out are stepping up to the plate and correcting what they need to correct and being a better brand. Um, and I don't think, Yes, we're black owned, but that doesn't mean we're perfect. So yeah, right. I'm sure there's some things that we could do. And I'm actively trying to do that as you know, as we speak. And and you know, um, you know, when we got on the call, you, you guys asked me how I'm doing, I'm like, you know, I'm unpacking and digesting a lot. And that's all through that lens. How do we what's our say in all of this? How do we what's our voice? Um and it's and long term, right? Yeah, that's where I'm at. Um, even my staff pulled me aside on Friday and they were like, yo, how come we haven't done a t-shirt yet? And I'm like, well, A, I'm just a slow piece of shit. So <laughs> we will, but I haven't figured it out yet. B, we do, we've done that in the past. And I think we have a certain amount of um, forgiveness, for lack of a better term, if we don't rush to be the first to do, to do it because we've been doing it. So right. I think we have a certain uh, 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 space for that. And then I think I also, I'm not really interested in this being another version of all the other police brutality incidents that I've witnessed in my lifetime, where it's forgotten in a month or two. So I'm happy. And I think there's like a, a, a pluralistic attack. There are some people that are responding right now and quickly and immediately. And that's great. We need that. I think there's also room for people maybe like me who want to take their time but do something that's more long-lasting and build like a, a program or a foundation that's going to be there for as long as unions around we're now going to be talking about this and we're now going to be putting energy resources money people etc behind 
this and other causes that you know uh, I think are important. For sure. Um, and I want to talk about just kind of like streetwear's unique relationship or unique position in this because one reason, I mean, in addition to streetwear brands and close relationship with black culture, the reason why people fucking love streetwear and the brands and why they fuck with like union and other brands that they, that are in their closet is like the brands have such a close relationship with their consumers. I mean, people treat this shit like, you know, treat the logos like, uh, like their favorite sports teams, right. Which are also brands, but it's really just kind of like signaling to the world. Like, Hey, I wear union that. And if I see someone else wearing union, I know that we have some things in common. So that being said, because streetwear has capitalized and, and progressed off this like really intimate relationship with their consumers. I mean, it's loyalty like, too. It's just, lo- it's, it's, literally, it's literally, it's literally yeah. on our, like we wear it on our hearts, on our sleeves. Um, mm-hmm. Do streetwear brands have even more responsibility to act and engage than your typical faceless, soulless corporate entity? That's a good question. Thank you. Um, I want to cue it, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have more responsibility? I guess the answer would be yes. Uh, the, it's of my opinion, and, and I've always felt this, this isn't new news, but like, at the foundation of streetwear, you know, the genesis of streetwear is clothing that's around something else, around a culture, around a belief, around a community. That's been at the heart of it. I think we've lost our way in that a little bit because of the commodification of streetwear. Um, and there are for sure X amount of brands out there that have no connectivity to their community, whatever that community is. But because of the way they've marketed themselves, are still considered kind of streetwear. Uh-huh. Um, but I believe that streetwear has always been this thing: like you have to stand for something. It's not just the brand name, you know. Um, I think, and I've said this before. Unfortunately, like when streetwear first started, in, in my humble opinion, it was kind of an option outside of what was readily available. What was readily available was your favorite sports team or your favorite shoe company and their logo. And that's what you would wear. Right. And then somebody, a group of individuals started doing like these, no, it's the saying or like a, or or a reference to this thing that only a small niche group of people would understand. And if you get it, you get it. And if you don't, you don't. And then you know, you know, yeah. And it wasn't about the brand. It was about the message and the community. And then, as streetwear has evolved and we've gotten to a place today where today, and I'll say um, with what's happened right now, I believe we've kind of hit the end of this cycle, which is today it's all about the brand and you're wearing the mark of the brand within streetwear that you stand behind. And yes, that mark in theory represents their story, their narrative, which you've bought into or which you support or they support you. But I think it's gotten cloudy to say the least where it's some people are just wearing it for the mark and they're not into the community at all. For sure. I think that there is to, to your point, Chris, that there was an inherent uh, virtuousness to streetwear, the, the kind of original concept that people most probably recognize now as anti-establishment. But if you yeah. go back to, and this is with hip hop too, the causes that those kind of people were fighting for would be seen as, you know, social justice causes as we know them today and absolutely virtuous. And then obviously I think that as it grows, you know, obviously it be, becomes about money. And while I think that there is a version of streetwear today 
where brands can do the right thing. And maybe like we're saying, have a greater responsibility to do that within streetwear specifically. The thing that I feel like people need to also realize is that you can't ever expect brands to do the right thing because at the end of the day, they are corporations, they are not people. So with that said, Chris, as far as like people that you're looking to in, in the world right now that are inspiring you, we just love to, to hear about some of those people. And for the yeah, audience. I, I will answer that. I'd just like to continue on with oh, sure. kind of the, you know, so, cause I, so the question was, well, do we, does streetwear have a responsibility? And I said, yes, we do. And I gave you examples of kind of the context behind that. But, you know, I recently was having a discussion um, where I was like, Hey, I don't, I don't know if I'm like, if I, if I, if I really at this point in time need like a, a dairy brand from Switzerland to, 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 to necessarily have affirmative action or to like, be, you know what I mean? Like, yes, they should, but like, I'm not holding them to that as much as I'm holding like a streetwear brand that sells black culture that sells mm-hmm. to black people. You know what I mean? Uh, I want to make sure that, you know, in your upper management, you're representative of the culture you're selling and the people you're selling to. And if you're right. not, yeah, you need to change that. Uh, right. And, and, I'm a little embarrassed that, and they should be too, that we're only talking about this now. Right. Right. Like, so is part of the problem, got, the people that streetwear is selling to right now because of who maybe that customer has become, which is, you know, I think the caricature is a 13 year old white kid in suburbia. Uh, or is that a cop out? Yeah, I think it, I think the problem, it starts with the brand. I mean, you have to be, you know, you have to, walk the walk and talk the talk, sort of, you know, whatever, talk the talk and walk the walk. So I think it starts with the brand. I don't think it's necessarily the consumer's fault, but this consumer has a responsibility to call the brand out. You know what I mean? And, and, or maybe there's a, you know, and obviously we're talking about black people here. So maybe there's a black person out there who's not buying streetwear brand X but notices that all they do is represent black culture Hmm. and they should be called out for not supporting black culture. If they're making money off of it, you absolutely have a duty to be more involved. You know what I mean? I mean, Chris, I think uh, without a doubt, like you guys, or you've made clear that union LA's position is to uh, address positive change long-term using your platform and, and your brand to affect that. I guess my question is in your, in your like private conversations and closed door conversations, do you think that this is a real reckoning moment for the whole landscape? Like when you're talking to these other designers and other uh, company owners, do you get the sense that people are also going to commit to uh, long-term progression? I do. I think some will. I think some won't. I don't wish ill on anyone. Uh, but I do think the peop- I do think the people that won't and the brands that don't will be held accountable. Maybe for the first time in a long time, can I say that? I don't think that to date, for better or for worse, streetwear and fashion overarchingly has been held very accountable for their place in society. And I think you're now about to see that in a real way. I think, and I'm, I don't think fashion has been held accountable at all. Right. I mean, think about how many 
um, controversies, racially uh, charged controversies that happen continuously in fashion. And I feel like the thing, and Chris, maybe you agree with this as well, this idea of, you know, the reckoning coming, uh, you know, I think that cancel culture is like, uh, I don't know, there's a people feel uh, that's not the issue. Right. And I feel like when uh, we, we focus on the, the reckoning, we kind of maybe go down a rabbit hole of a different conversation, which is not the fucking problem, which is racism. And what we've been saying to our audience is vote with your wallet, do the research, yeah. learn about the brands that you yeah. want to support and just yeah. make a decision with your fucking money. Because at the end of the day, like that is the only, that's the universal language. And we've talked about this a lot recently because I think it's as applicable now as, as it ha- has ever been. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm not the, you know, I, I, I'm not the biggest fan of cancel culture, although I've participated. <laughs> so I can't, I can, you know, but I do think, um, everything in moderation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes you need a good old public flogging for the right reasons. <laughs> yeah. You know, and part of cancel culture, I hope and believe is should be like, well, calling brand X to task to get better. Yeah. Right. And if they don't get better, then yes, maybe cancel them. Maybe don't cancel them right away. Be like, yo, y'all fucked up. What are you going to do about it? Also, canceling brands and people are separate because, again, brands are not people and corporations don't have feelings. So to be clear, I think that uh, I think our argument, I I think uh, it's nuanced, though. Right. It's all it's a case by case, which is tough. I think in 2020, when when people, uh, specifically young, impressionable people that that want to do the right thing, look to certain people to kind of like yeah. give them an easily digestible path forward. And mm-hmm. it's not it's not always black and white. Excuse that that kind of obtuse reference, yeah, but right. it's not always binary, you know. And, yeah. and that's why um, it's better to 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 you know think about where you you spend your money and the brands that you actively, um, literally like help potentially fuel the problem. Yeah. You're giving them and, I, and I do think that like, for the most part, there are outliers. There always are. But I do think for the most part, people can look to a brand designer person's track record and see, uh, you know, see a, a history of what they're about and, and make their a judgment call. Just not, not off of one flashpoint moment but off of like yo they've never been like you know i don't know i can look and be and and so when i say the people who i've maybe canceled or the brands i've canceled have been brands that i could see oh yeah they fucked up here and maybe that was just an honest mistake but there's they've never been down right and this is just me once yeah a pattern a pattern of a pattern of inactivity or inaction yeah Yeah. and explicitly fucking up yeah no, I think ahead, one sorry. of the things that I've, you know, for better, or for worse, but that I've experienced with our brand, and this has nothing to do with social justice or accountability, but just like overarching support. Somehow, some way, people just get what we're trying to put forth. Even when we, you know, I've made so many mistakes. I've said so many stupid things. I've, you know, you know, but... I would like to think and hope that like people can see that there's a pattern and that pattern is largely positive so that when I fuck up, I'm not being held over the coals for it. People are calling me out and, and they should. And I try and correct myself, but, and make the changes and support, but I'm not getting canceled. Just like, Oh, you're done. You know? Um, and maybe that's a certain level of privilege on my part where I haven't had to deal with that um, in such a, you know, absolute manner 
Yeah. I mean, I guess that's, uh, that's part of the privilege of not being a celebrity, right? <laughs> you know, um, to, to, to bring it back to what we were talking a bit before, Chris, and, and again, I wasn't trying to change the topic before yeah. you got your thought. I just yeah. want to be respectful of your time. Yeah. Uh, so who are you looking to in this space? I mean, so, again, fuck brands, yeah. who are the people that are doing it? Yeah, I think, you know, like, uh, I think and I mentioned this earlier before, earlier on, so I apologize for repeating uh, the same names, but these are the people who, like, these are the first people I reached out to. I reached out to Jesse Williams. That's a friend of mine. That's someone who I think is doing and has been doing work in this community. I reached out to Chase Johnson. Um, I reached out to Marvin Bing. Um, I reached out to uh, Saul Guy, who works for Four Freedoms, um, which is a which is a brand we have a relationship with. Um, and I asked, I really asking their advice on like, Hey, outside of the usual. And I don't think there's, I don't, I don't belittle the usual, which is doing a t-shirt and donating the, the proceeds to charity. What else can we do? Where, you know, where else, how else can I help? Because I want to help on a longer standing um, kind of, Excuse me, uh, tradition. What do I want to say? I want to help in, and 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 make my mark, and I want it to be lasting. Um, I think it's also. I mean, the reason why we ask this question um, is to to get their names out there, so people that yeah, don't know these people yeah. can now Google yeah. them. And I, I made the, I make I continue to make this horrible reference, but to me, it's like when I uh, listen to a mortal technique. And then you hear him drop like an activist name and then you're like, oh, who is that person? And then you read their story. Yeah. Sorry to mention Immortal Technique. Um, he's becoming the through line of this podcast. But now- Can it's we like, just switch to, can we pivot to Rage Against the Machine? Sure. <laughs> Thank um, you. But now- yeah. We have a reputation to uphold, James. Everyone Google, <laughs> everyone Google Bulls on Parade Al Gore. Um, <laughs> but no, so I, I think that something that's important and, and you know, that we'd like to do in that- uh, Yeah, and, you know, that you're doing, I, know, I appreciate you know, it. No, I, I, want, I want these names out there, you know- um, Obviously, you can't have this conversation without calling out Black Lives Matter, um, and that's someone who you know who I know personally and has been doing the work. Um, Jesse had uh, pointed me in the direction of Advancement Project, which is an organization he's directly involved in. And then um, we can continue talking, but I'll, I'll I'll bring up a couple of other organizations if you. If you oh, absolutely! Know. I mean, we got, the, we got the whole we got the whole we got the whole. Put some research. Yeah, we, and we could we could take like out I said, any. I'll admit I am not a uh, you know outright political activist, so mm-hmm. I'm learning too, and that's one of the things I really wanted to to, to learn. You know, yeah, more. Um, and you know, like uh, I apologize if I'm repeating stories here, but like when I was you know in my teens uh, or, or maybe early twenties. Supreme did a t-shirt and they put out, they put the Black Panthers on it. And I really wanted to wear the t-shirt, but admittedly I had never really read about the Black Panthers. And I knew enough to know that if I'm walking in Brooklyn wearing that t-shirt, someone's going to stop me and you know, yo, what's the math? And if I couldn't give the math, I was going to stand there looking stupid. Oh, you like the Black Panthers name three of their best songs. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. 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 So I did the math then so that I could wear the damn t-shirt and I was, I learned so much. Yo, uh, do the math. That's good advice. Do the math. That's the the math, ladies and gentlemen. We we talked about this on, um, the Patreon episode that's behind the paywall. Chris, I don't know if you're a paying uh, patron or not, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll flow you the link for free. 
high okay. school. But no, I think that, uh, you know, I, I've I never been. Union as a company pays. Oh, right. Yes. Shout out you can Richard. expense it. You yeah. can write that. You can write. Th- Richard writes that off. Hell yeah. Shout out, Shout out to Richard. But no, I think Supreme is a great example of, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm not personally a fan of the actual clothing. I've never um, bought anything, but it is great and kind of, you know, Rage Against the Machine. They do work with elements of black culture w- that are going to get people interested, not just black culture, but like uh, any, you know, artist, any musician that they work with, a lot of it is kind of um, not like the most obvious shit. And so, like, think of how many kids must have Googled Dead Prez, you know, a year ago. Yeah. And gotten into, like, Dead Prez. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Chris, I want to ask you, so obviously we're, we're kind of uh, talking about how to affect change. And, you know, I think that you've talked about how you're still learning. We're all still learning. Um, you know, and I will say, just say this quickly. I think that, uh, that that's obviously the most important step, like, even focusing on organizations like you might support right now, but not might not support later. Like, we have so many kids in our DMs that are like, yo, I'm so overwhelmed with information. Like, where do I even start? And you can start somewhere, but as long as that's not where you're stopping, like, as long as you agree to kind of go on this journey, that's really all that matters. Do the math. Do the math. Do the math. And I think that, I think that uh, you know, I think that the Gen Z generation and also like people, you know, millennials in general, just kind of like giving a shit more. I think that's becoming a part of the DNA. Um, So maybe we don't know how to get there, but in your opinion, you know, do you have any idea of what like the medium or long-term goals are that everyone should remain focused on? These are really big issues that union alone can't solve. Right. Right. And I even got caught up myself in like, getting overwhelmed and like, well, how do I start? And that's why I started reaching out, like reach like locally, you know, like what a, what's really dope about what's happening now is a lot of the brands are suggesting who they fuck with. Yeah. So if Noah's a brand you fuck with, then they have a list of organizations that they've vetted. You know what I mean? And Noah in particular is a brand that's, you know, doing the math. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, we have our own list, you know what I mean? And hopefully you trust us. That's part of part of that loyalty. Part of that brand loyalty is trusting us not only to give right. you dope shit, which, you know, <laughs> I got you, but also <laughs> hopefully supporting of organizations that are doing the right thing. Um, but I know for me, I started as locally and as directly like in my neighborhood. Like, if we were all taking care of our neighborhoods, you know what I mean? Like, it, you can move that forward. So I, that's why, again, I'm going to say his name for the third time, but that's why I reached out to Chase, because Chase is somebody who's active in my community, yeah. like, right there. And, and I didn't have to think about it too hard. He's right, you know what I mean? So think, for those think people... Global, are, think global, act, act local. local. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and maybe then, every street can be like Sesame Street. Yeah. No doubt. No yeah. doubt, kid. Again, on a t-shirt. again, Chris is here. Like, again, he's, he's dropping some wisdom. And if you hear something, you take that. That's what he's using his platform for. But you got to do the math. You got to Google yeah. it. You got to research it. You yeah. need to figure out for yourself. Because I think that that is the issue with some of this stuff is that if celebrities or influencers or people know are just blindly sharing stuff that was blindly shared to them, then no one is going to be looking at anything. And we, we don't, we want to avoid that as much as possible. So again, do the math, do the research, take some information and dig deeper, please. So, sorry, I didn't answer your question. It's the second time. 
I get three strikes. It's the second time I've just yeah. not answered a question. Then you're like, canceled. That's how canceled. Yeah, we might, yeah, we might cancel you. Canceled. Canceled. Yeah. Yeah. We're taking uh, fastidious notes here. But no, yeah. yeah. Do you have like long term um, goals in mind or, or medium term? I think I'll say this. I think you know, racism has a lot of is a big problem and has a lot of small. You know, one of the legs of racism that's specifically affecting us is you know police brutality and i think and that's a good question like obviously all of these things are wrong is police brutality the worst thing that's happening i mean i guess through the lens of people are dying <laughs> you know innocent people are being killed that you know like uh, people's lives very specifically come to mind. So I do think the big thing is to really have the police forces be accountable. And I, I you know, like I, the, I guess I'll admit this is something I didn't even know to think about a week ago. And I've in doing the math been able to figure out that this seems to be like one of the big issues is the, the police, uh, Department unions seem mm, to have right. a lot of the power. Uh, I listened to the interview of the mayor of Minneapolis, and he seemed to be admitting that that was an issue. And then in a subsequent conversation I had with Jesse, who hadn't listened to that interview yet, he brought it up. Like, And I was like, oh, shit, this is like the second person who's brought up the police labor unions as mm -hmm. being one of the places. Um, I think the act locally part is really important. I went to a vigil last week that I was really moved by and motivated by. And it was literally 300 people in a park, everyone taking their turn to step up and stand, stand up and say something, whatever it was. And I didn't, I'm shy. I'm sorry, but I listened. I'm a good listener. And one of the guys got up and said, well, you know, I'm from Oakland and in Oakland, we, you know, who likes a DA? If you're a black person in America, you're probably never voting for the DA. <laughs> so they took it upon themselves to go to like the local meetings and offer up who they thought should be the DA and get behind and vote for the DA. Wow. And, and it was a person who I don't like, you know, who was an outsider. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And then that person made all these great changes in their community. Like you got to get involved locally. That's one of the things for sure. You know, uh, people say it ad nauseum and I'm definitely like pro voting. I'm not anti voting, but I definitely also haven't been like the most adamant go vote guy ever. Yeah. But I do think you got to get out there and vote because there's people who are being voted in who are making decisions for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so I really liked that they, you know, were getting involved locally and getting right. involved like on a small, in a small uh, way, you know? Yeah. Sorry. Well, I mean, kind of perfect uh, transition into our last question, Chris, which is, you know, for, for the young people who, who look, who are listening right now and who look to you um, as like the ultimate cool guy and a leader and a voice, what is Big for boss. a young person that wants to do the math, that wants to get involved, what's the first piece of foundational advice you give them now that they have the desire to actually do something? This presumes that they have a circle of people around them that are wise or intelligent or whatever, but maybe that's not even necessary. I think for someone 
who doesn't, who needs kind of leadership through this time. Um, I hate to say it, speak to your community, speak to your friends. If you're white and you want to speak to your black friends, I'm sure they have a question. You know what I mean? Like, and I've been called in the last, you know, five days by a number of white friends and associates who are asking me very direct questions and I'm giving them honest and direct answers. I've also been called by a number of white friends and associates who aren't asking me the question and I'm not volunteering it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Do, like, do you feel like the burden is being put on you to provide these answers? We've had a, pre- a previous guest on the podcast, our friend uh, Patia, who's, who said that that can be very stressful as a black person who's dealing with other shit to begin yeah, with. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. your responsibility. How do you feel? I don't know if it shouldn't be. I wouldn't go as far as to say it shouldn't be. I will share. Yes, there's a lot of pressure on me right now to have all the answers for streetwear, which I don't. <laughs> I'm human. You know, I'm black. I'm human. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do want to be involved. And so what I can say is I'm not, I'm not the pressures there, but it's not a pressure I don't want. This right. is a pressure I welcome. Um, but yes, it is there. It is there for us to have a voice, for us to put out our T-shirt or our cause or our list or our statement or so on and so forth. It's definitely there. And I welcome the pressure. So it's not a negative thing to me, but it is there. Um, um, well, Chris, we know you have to go. Yeah. You got, uh, to, you got an active household. You got a lawnmower out there. Um, before, before you get out of here and hit up Richard and say, yo, put James and Lawrence on the union. <laughs> yeah. First round. Update my seating yeah. list, Richard. Yeah. Hopefully this time. And we thank you, by the way, for, you know, hitting us, yeah. I don't know, 10 months later, but hopefully this <laughs> yeah. time. Um, Better and, late than never, baby. You got to yeah. change whenever you can. And we have an up we have an update on those that we'll share with you off pod. But uh, is okay. there anything you want to plug? Um, yeah. Any any people you, or organizations or companies that you maybe forgot that are doing good things right now? That again, kids are going to take what you say and go look them up and Google them and follow their story. Yeah, you're the math um, teacher, baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I've named all the organizations that I've been checking for. So not to want want, but like I, you know, I've already named the. Uh, people and organizations a couple of times. So go ahead and rewind it back. back. Uh, But uh, I think the biggest thing is yes. Like is to just beg people to get involved, get informed, think, think, try it. The hardest thing I think people are going to have issues with, and I'm guilty of it in my own way. And you know, is thinking beyond their privilege. And I I read a, a, a tweet or Tumblr post or Instagram. I don't know what the fuck it was. Definitely not. Whatever. It's most like, you know, you know what? Sad but true. Yeah. It most likely was Tumblr. It was a TikTok. You're not, you're not heavy. I'm on, a Tumblr on dude. I love Tumblr. I can't for it. <laughs> Chris, we love you and you are a fucking boomer, my G. <laughs> Just like I us. Am. Just I like am. us. I am. I am. But uh, it was something to the effect like, which I, it never been worded this way and I, I appreciate it. It was like not acknowledging every black person's cry, like universal cry of racism and acting like it's this personal thing that's only them and maybe an outlier, even though every single African-American in America has cried out racism. Yeah. That's a little, that's insulting. That means we're all just collectively lying. Like it's something that we've been crying out for, for like, years and years and years and there's a whole bunch of people who are like yeah but that guy 
had a counterfeit twenty dollar bill right. or that guy. And it's like, so you're calling this whole group of people liars, a whole yeah. culture of people liars. The math doesn't and add I, up on that one. Yeah, and I think so. Stop and think about if you know, like, what you've been heard. You know, put a little empathy into it and 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 try and do the research and see, like, you know, this is. Like, again, you know, uh, I saw another, this wasn't on Tumblr. This is my cousin, my cousin, tech, my cousin, what up, Diane? Texted this to me. <laughs> Shout out, uh, Diane. <laughs> but uh, it was a, a tip of an iceberg and like, you know, police yeah. brutality and then like right. racism. The, it was the underneath. It was a meme. Word. It was a meme. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm that's a, called I'm a meme. A, I'm not a boomer, by the way, but. I feel like one sometimes like <laughs> when my kids start sharing memes and I'm like, I don't even understand <laughs> what point is being made there. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. All right, Chris. Well, thank you for coming on the only podcast that matters. Thank to talk you so about much, the Chris. only issue that matters, which is the slow march towards a more just and equitable world. Uh, thank you for your time. And yeah, I guess like, you know, when fucking quarantine lists, we're, we're going to head out to LA and we'll kick it. Yeah. Um, yes, sir. Get involved with you guys. Yeah, well, uh, thank you guys for your time as always. And uh, I'm sure we'll be speaking soon. And I look forward to getting your shoe sizes. Hell yeah. <laughs> I think Richard already has them, actually. So don't he does. Him. Richard, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you guys are paying him on the side. Richard's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. doing the work for you guys. Hell yeah. All right, Chris. Thank you again. Right. And yeah, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Later, man. buddy.